Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, come join your favorite Disney characters here in the Magic Kingdom as we celebrate the season. Before we begin, we'd like to make the minor control adjustments. Oh, oh something broke. Hold on one moment, please. Just one moment. Thank you. We're now leaving the land of fantasy and entering the world of the future, Tomorrowland. Attention, Horizons passengers. Our travels will be briefly delayed. Please remain seated. Your vehicle will begin moving again at any moment. Please remain seated. We'll resume our journey shortly. Thank you. For we now invite you to join Mickey and experience WDW Radio, your information station. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 302 for the week of November 25th, 2012. I'm here to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with this podcast, videos, blog, live broadcast events, my Walt Disney World trivia books, audio CDs, and more. You can find them all over at wdwradio.com. So part of what I hope to share with you on this show is not just Walt Disney World vacation planning tips, but some of the stories, secrets, history, details, and people that make Disney what we've come to love and enjoy. So this week, I want to share with you a conversation I had with someone who Walt Disney called an idea man, Disney legend Al Konetsny. In his nearly 30 years with the company, he developed countless ideas for toys, clothing, stationery, greeting cards, jewelry, and much more, featuring beloved Disney characters, including the famous Pez Mickey and Mickey Mouse Lunchbox. Al shares his personal journey, including working with Walt, and advice for those looking to become an artist for Disney themselves. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package, I'll then have some announcements at the end of the show, including information about upcoming Meets of the Month in Walt Disney World and other events. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. It was all started by a mouse. Born in Brooklyn, New York in 1915, young Al Konetsny only wanted crayons and pencils from his parents for Christmas. And while Mickey Mouse always made him smile... Little did he know that years later, he would work with Walt Disney and help bring smiles to the faces of millions and generations of other children as well. So it's my pleasure and honor today to meet and speak with Disney legend Al Konetsny. Al, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's nice to be here, and I'm glad to meet you. It is, uh, it is great to meet you as well, too. And, and uh, we had a chance to meet briefly yesterday, and I had a, the first time I met you was during the Art of Animation opening a couple of months ago. But yesterday, um, you, you gave a great presentation, and I, and I um, 
was fascinated by your story, you know, and by your journey. You know, as a kid, you loved to draw. And like I said in the intro, you all you wanted were, were crayons and pencils uh, from your, your parents as a kid. Let me, let me add one thing on that. I wanted boxing gloves, too, <laughs> but I, I very seldom tell anybody that. <laughs> I think it's probably better that they gave you the crayons and pencils instead of the boxing yeah. gloves. <laughs> right. Isn't that amazing? I haven't, I haven't mentioned that the a lot of interviews. That's just kind of a secret to you. Oh, I think that's really neat because uh, obviously you chose the right path. You know, you went to the very prestigious Pratt Institute. You ended up working in New York uh, at the Gertz Company and then at the Pal Persona Blade Company where you, paid, you actually helped to create the, the Pal Guy character. Oh, yes. That was, uh, uh, I was art director for Pal Persona Blade Companies. And I'll, I'll tell you about the Pal Man. It was a, a round, rounded head thing and with a lot of shaving cream on them. And when I first introduced it to them, my first year being an art director with them, it was turned down. It was funny. And I love to tell art students about this. I said, wait a minute. In about, after about two years with them, I introduced it again, and boy, they went for it. <laughs> it appeared on their checks, on their stationery, on all their packages of blades, razor blades, there were there were manufacturers of razor blades from uh, someplace up upstate New York. I had a very happy. I also, speaking of that company, they they told me I had a, a, li- a job for life. Every time I went for a raise, you know, I said, you know, you have a job here for life, and that was great because it lasted 16 years as art director, but. All of a sudden, they sold the company. I think they sold it to American Safety Razor Company. And a decision had to be made. And I was shocked. But anyway, I, I, what I decided to do, I had, by that time, I was married. They even came, the owners even were at my wedding. But then we had three children, and I decided, well, I'm going to take a three-week vacation. And we went to Montauk Point, Long Island, and had a ball, but... But in back of it all, I said, look, I don't have a job now. I have to get a job. So immediately when I got back, I went to a head, age, a head agency. I, really, it's a headhunter, really. And I showed him my portfolio, and he said, I got the perfect job for you. It's a promotion job, and you're a promotion man. I said, wait a minute, I'm an artist. <laughs> And he said, well, from all the work you're showing me in your portfolio, I have the right company for you. And it's the Walt Disney Company. And I, I must be honest and frank with you. I love Disney. But Disney was not what it is today. I mean, they were struggling. And I said, well, I'm going to have, I would like to be interviewed anyway. So I was interviewed by Disney by a man by the name of Lou Lisby. I don't like to na- mention names much, but the guy was an art director for Disney for 40 years. And I got the job. And I said, well, I'm only going to stay maybe two years because I wanted to get into a TV advertising. And color was just starting to come in. And, uh, well, I'm glad the way it worked out. I stayed. Well, they say everything happens for a reason. And sort of that, that path that you followed from, you know, artist to doing... In newspaper ads for the companies you work for to 
this job with Disney, um, again, it, it's one of those things where you thought you were an artist, and, and they said, no, you're really a promotions guy. Yeah, and <laughs> not only that, but I was doing finished art line drawings for Gert's department store before I showed him my portfolio, and I had a load of stuff that I had done, and I, I was qualified for it. And I'm glad it happened the way it did. And so do you remember when you were first hired and, and going to work for Disney on Madison Avenue in New York? You know, what was, your, what was your first job? What was your first set of responsibilities? Well, let me tell you about that. Uh, first of all, we're, we were not on Madison Avenue to begin with. We were in Radio City. Hmm. And I saw the old theater that most people will never remember, Roxy Theater. I saw I, I could I remember them tearing it down. And I was with Disney then in Radio City. And that's where we started. And then we finally moved to Madison Avenue. And most of those years were, were made in Madison Avenue. So you're right about that. And so what was, uh, when you were first hired, what was your first job at Disney? My, well, when I was first hired, I spent two weeks drawing Mickey Mouse. <laughs> and I, I guess Donald Duck, too. Well, I, and that's what I'm curious about, because I saw some of your very early drawings of things that you did, you know, as a kid at, at home when you drew characters, and I'm showing my age, like Little Orphan Annie and Felix the Cat. When you go to Disney, how does that start where you're being taught to draw Mickey? Are there artists there, or do you go out to California? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I, I love to draw, and then I guess I was nine and a half or ten years old, and I saw these comics in the newspaper, and I could draw them. I didn't trace them, I drew them. And it goes way back. Uh, I was fascinated by them, and a, a lot of them people today wouldn't even recognize them because it's gone back. We're going back 75, 80 years, maybe maybe longer. Uh, anyway, I, I still have those drawings. Would you believe it or not? I saw, and you know, at, at that age, obviously you're, you're self-taught. And what's it like when you know the Mickey Mouse character is? so iconic and the integrity of the character is so important to the Disney company. When you're there uh, and, and first brought in in New York, do they have artists there on staff who spend you know the first couple of weeks just teaching you how to draw the characters? Absolutely. You, 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 you draw all angles and shapes and whatnot, running, jumping, skipping and whatnot. I tell you, it was, it, it was interesting. You fall in love with the guy. <laughs> And, uh, well, that was a long time. And so what did you actually do there? Because, you know, you are very well known for some of the products that you helped license and create. You know, the the quintessential one is that Mickey Mouse and characters school bus lunchbox. You know, I remember the old metal lunchboxes as a kid. And nine million lunchboxes later, you know, obviously that was one of your... Uh, you know, best-selling items. But talk about some of the things that you created while you were there, because you did toys and clothes and, and stationery. That's absolutely right. And there's no, there was no end to it. Anything that I could find where, where Mickey would improve the product, I brought them in. And then I started to get into sales, so I brought a whole bunch of companies in. Uh, Hasbro, the uh, second largest uh, uh, Company, toy company in the world, and I just happened to think of Palmella, uh, uh, Colgate Palmella, which I don't talk much about. Uh, we signed them up, and uh, U.S. Time was already signed up. I didn't handle that one, and I'm trying to think. And I, also, I did not sign up uh, National 
they were in Nash, Nashville. The people who did my uh, uh, stu- uh, studio uh, school bus lunch kit, and when <laughs> when I showed it, as a matter of fact, I I lived in uh, Pleasantville, New York, and I commuted for about an hour to my office in Madison Avenue, New York, and many times. Oh boy, both should have heard this. Many times I spent a whole hour in that train uh, preparing for a nine o'clock meeting, and I could walk to my office from from a Grand Central Station. And I saw a school bus, and I said, "Oh my God, what an idea for a kids! I mean, they're gonna love, they're gonna love to have a toy with a school bus." And then my second thought said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Kids don't love school. Who am I kidding? So I, I put, it, put it aside for a couple of days. But then when I got back to my office and started to make some sketches, I, we, we used to work in pastels then. And I, I made a beautiful, well, I won't say beautiful, but a, a, a sketch of a school bus with all the characters in each window. And we presented it to a national, I forget the name right now, excuse me about that. Uh, and they accepted it. And they went, put it in the market, marketplace. I was in Chicago and I got an award for it, as a matter of fact, when I, the Chicago Housewares Show. And they sold nine million of them, which is yeah. a pretty good number. Well, and tell us about what that process is like. Was it one where you would come up with a concept or an idea? You know, you were an idea man, right? So did you come up with an idea and then choose the appropriate company, or did companies come to you and say, we're looking for a product to license? In many cases, it worked both ways. We searched them out. As soon as I had a secretary, we found out who to talk to in these large companies. And we only dealt with nice companies. and now it worked the other way, where they came to us. And uh, we'd talk to them, and we'd, have a, we'd get them in the conference room, and we'd, pour, we'd, we'd, we'd call all the artists in, say, it's a, we'd, we'd talk maybe to a president of a company or a vice president or an R&D man. And they, we'd, we'd throw all these ideas out for, for something that we knew they could make. We knew what, they, what, what kind of merchandise they or how their machines would work and so forth, or packaging or whatnot. And as a matter of fact, many times we let them walk out with all these ideas and they, and we did not get a contract. But I'm going to say most of the time we got them. And I was very happy about that. And you, you know, I was, I was reading and listening to you the other day. You know, it seems like when you were going to pitch an idea, you did it more with pictures than you did words. You know, your, your sketchbook was really your, your selling tool. Well, selling was easy. And, you know, as a matter of fact, i got to say, what they, when they asked me, they said, we don't want, ever want you to stop creating stuff, but we would like you to be a contact man. And that may be foreign to you, but it was foreign to me. Contact man. What is a contact man? Actually, to make it simple, it's sales. And all of a sudden, now I'm in sales. And I did not know that I was a good salesman. I signed up some wonderful companies. As a matter of fact, one one toy company, I, I signed the contract, and a woman signed the contract at the Waldorf Astoria and handed me the check, and I brought it back to our, <laughs> to our office. Things like that happened. It was wonderful. 
And you worked with, you know, some some famous uh, watch companies and clock companies and made toothbrushes. What about, tell us a story about uh, working with Pez. Oh, Pez was interesting. The man in Pez, it was a, they were an Austrian company, as you know, and he, he was the head of the United States for Pez. And he wanted a contract so bad, it was unbelievable. And we got to be real good pals and friendly. And it took me a year and a half to get him in because my company, and I say when my company, Walt Disney, my boss, they would, he was never excited about it. But finally, we got him in and, and we signed the contract. And I can't tell you how they're doing today. They, they, they were all over the country and they were all over the world, as a matter of fact. And I was very proud of it. And one, I think, of your most notable companies that you brought in and a relationship that still exists today is with General Electric. Oh, General Electric. And tell Electric. us a little bit the story of how the, the, the General Electric, the oh. GE Nightlight, came to be. Oh, that's a very interesting story. A GE, I was so happy with getting that contract. What happened is, first Pez came, and we did Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse, and they had a little nightlight on, for Donald Duck and was, no, no, they, they're going to get one. They had a little nightlight with nothing. It was like a half a watt or a two watts or something like that. So my secretary found out who we, we talked to at GE, and they were in Providence, that division. And it was either he come up to see us or we go down or I go down to Providence. But, you know, all these people always like to come to New York. They bring their wives in, they go to shows and whatnot. So it was easy to bring them into our conference room and talk to them. Well, anyway, Al Richards, his name was, and he came down to my my office and my, uh, and I said, gee, Al, I, oh, I said, excuse me, not Al, <laughs> Mr. Richardson. And I said, I don't know if this will work, but I'm going to try it. So I had a a Pez, uh, not a Pez, uh, yes, I'm sorry, a Pez Donald Duck, uh, uh, and I, I, I broke the head off the top of the, of the, uh, of the, of the Pez, and I put it on top of, I clamped it on the top of their, their nightlight, and I said, I, again, I said, I don't know, I'm sure, maybe this won't work, but I want to try it. <laughs> I pulled down all the blinds on my, sta- uh, had an office in uh, uh, Madison Avenue, had, had five windows, I think. And they say, if you have one window, you're very important. <laughs> but I did feel really important. So we, we, we put out the lights, and I snapped it in, the plug, and my God, there it was. They signed the contract right away. And I want to tell you one thing. They're still selling nightlights, children's nightlights. I know because my kids have they still have some in their room and that's you know that's what's amazing and look that's why you know you said you're not an artist you're not a salesman you are an idea man and when you're able to sort of come up with an idea like that on the fly thankfully it works you know it sells itself oh yes it worked it was, I'm so gratified I love that stuff and I, I, it all started from a rough sketch from the idea and then we'd make a comprehensive sketch and sometimes even go further and Normally, normally we did get the contract, and I'm sure Disney is happy. I, well, I'm sure they're happy now, and I'm sure they were happy at the time. And, and to that point, you know, it, it it was and always will be 
Walt's company. And as much as Walt was uh, in California, he was very hands-on. And I know he made frequent trips, you know, a few times out uh, to New York. Tell us about the first time that you met Walt. When somebody says to you, oh, by the way, Al, Walt is coming here tomorrow. What that first meeting was like, if you remember. Uh, it It was fantastic. It was right before... Disneyland opened, and uh, of course, then Walt Disney World later on. He came came to see us about four times a year to find out what they were doing, tell us what kind of movies were gonna they were gonna make, and what we had to work on. And he sat there on this big veranda thing, and he says, "You know, you fellas," he said, "You got to make me a million dollars this year." Well, I'm telling you. We made about four or five million for him. <laughs> and he, we, he needed money for everything that he was doing. It was unbelievable. But a, what a man, charming man he came over. And he, he has a knack of remembering names, too, because he called me Al by name a couple of times, and I was surprised at that. But I'm very happy. Were you, uh, were you nervous? Were you excited? Because, you know, I, again, you're talking like 1953, 1954. You know, Walt is on TV. He's working on Disneyland. He's got all these movies out. Was there a lot of, uh, of excitement or nerves or pressure when you know the Walt Disney is coming to meet you? Absolutely. I mean, when you know the big boss is coming, boy, you, you get all lived <laughs> up. He visited every bullpen to talk to us. And at that time, I worked out of a bullpen. I wasn't a big big salesperson at that time. But he was so so wonderful, Tony. It was, it was wonderful to meet him that way. And then I met him a few times after that when I went to California, to Burbank. So I met him a few times. Because during your tenure at the company, which spanned almost 30 years, uh, you didn't only just work in consumer products for you know general characters like Mickey Mouse or, or household items, jewelry, clothing, but you also did some stuff with relation to, to some of the movies like Mary Poppins and Zorro and 101 Dalmatians, Davy Crockett. Absolutely. We worked on every movie that they came out. Maybe we missed a few, I don't know. But every single movie we had, we uh, uh, Burbank would send us uh, prints of what, the movie was about, and we would work on, on stuff for Mary Poppins products. Mary Poppins, Zorro, uh, I can't remember them all. Mickey Mouse Club was very big, and we worked on that one. We worked on Disneyland for merchandise. And we were a pretty busy gang, and we, weren't, we, weren't, we didn't have any more than maybe seven artists in New York, and we handled all the artwork for the United States. And all artwork... If, if, if a company that was signed to contract had their own artist and they made artwork, that artwork was supposed to be brought to this Mr. Lou Lisby, the art director, for approval. But wouldn't you know what would happen once in a while? They would hit the market before giving us a chance to approve it. And people thought some of that <laughs> bad artwork was ours, but it wasn't. Well, it was, you know... Look, Mickey Mouse and the, the consumer products that were coming out really changed, uh, you know, licensing as far as what Disney was able to do and just how far the brand had reached in, in, into so many homes uh, across the country and across the world. And when we talk about things like, you know, Davy Crockett and the coonskin hat, I mean, they could not produce 
coonskin hats fast enough. And that was the case well, with a lot of merchandise. That's, that's an interesting thing. You mentioned Davy Crockett. I forgot to mention Davy Crockett. Because I know I designed the first box that contained the, the, the cap, the coonskin right. cap. And I still have pictures of it. It was, came in a beautiful box. I think it was done up in Connecticut somewhere. But that, that was the biggest, one of the biggest things we had. It, it, everything was going crazy. I used to go down to toy fairs. Everything was Davy Crockett. And, you know, it, it was funny what, that what happened because that picture was shown uh, uh, on TV. And the next day, everybody was humming, Davy Crockett, you know. It really, it was exciting to, to know what was going on. And everybody wanted a piece of merchandise. They wanted to be Davy oh, Crockett. Yeah, they bought everything. And they even had Davy Crockett on diapers. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> well, it's got to be, you know, for you, it's got to be so rewarding to see your items go from concept to approval to production to store shelves and people's homes, and now they're going to collector cases. It's very true. We, to get the idea, and I hope you don't ask me where you get your ideas, because that's a tough question. But, now you know I'm going to ask you. So. Well, that's all right. But, but, but coming from a concept drawing to the finished product is very interesting, and you're right about that. That, that is un- unbelievable. And uh, I remember one time, uh, one company, I, I guess I could mention the name. Uh, anyway, the ones that did the, the wristwatches, and we had a few different companies that did it. But they missed the Mary Poppins. Uh, if, the, if they don't get the work out, if they don't get the work out right away, they have to be on the shelves and be in display before the picture breaks. And if they're not there, they're going to miss it. And they, they, they missed Mary Poppins. And it was a beautiful, beautifully designed watch. I, I suppose they made some, but they missed the main market. Well, you know, just quickly going back to Walt, uh, he asked you to make him a million. You probably made him uh, an ex- a few million after that, and you, you had a chance I, to... I hope that's not a secret. <laughs> I don't think it's a secret anymore. And I'm look, I'm sure Walt was very happy and you saw him not only in New York, but when he went out to Burbank. I need to ask you about the passing of Walt because I know what it certainly meant to the company and I see from talking with people what it meant to them personally too. Well, it was very tough. I really don't like to talk about it, but I did yesterday at the big meeting. Uh, actually, our... Our office was on Madison Avenue, and were plenty of restaurants around there, but there was one favorite spot where a lot of, of our Disney executives dined. And I remember sitting at a round table and all Disney people for lunch. And I don't want to get too sad about this thing, but we were, we were having lunch, and... Uh, Somebody came down from the office, from our Disney office, and whispered into the ear of the main guy that was at that table. And he, and he walked away, and then this fella turned to us and he said, I just got worried that Walt Disney passed away. It was sad. 
We got up like unbelievable. We all got up like it was the end of the world. We didn't know what was going to happen. We were out of jobs or what. I don't think we were thinking of ourselves. I was thinking about him. And we all went back to our office. And my recollection is that the stock market went down and hit the bottom. And then the following day, it went way up. And that was something that I do remember. But it was a sad thing. There was tears all over the office. And I'm sure all over the world that, that had connections with Walt Disney. He's a great man. And it's unbelievable what he's built here. And I'm right now I'm speaking from Disney World, which was one of his dreams that he had when he was in... I remember the stories I heard he was when he was not feeling well and maybe dying in the hospital... He told his brother, he was looking up at the ceiling, and he said, and this is what, he was looking at the ceiling and saying, here's where I think we'll have a lake here, and we'll have this there, we'll have this, and that. And the the auto, automatic, uh, what do you call it, the Skyway? The monorail. Monorail. Yeah, the monorail. And he was explaining that whole thing. Well, then, of course, he only lasted maybe another week or so after that. But it was so involved right up to the last minute for him. Just a mar- remarkable. And what I, gotta, I, I just thought of something else that interests me. He put out a little book. It's a booklet. And everything in it is written by him. And I went through it one time. And this is very rewarding to me anyway. He, he said in, in this, this one paragraph, he says, I was really not a great artist. And he said, also, I wasn't a great animator. But he says, I was an idea man. And he knew how to promote. I, I almost fell over because I was hired as an idea man. So I'm very happy to read that. Well, it goes that you certainly follow in the legacy and the footsteps and the ideals and the visions of Walt Disney. And, and to that point, you were rewarded for that by being named a Disney legend a number of years ago. And, uh, you know, certainly... That is, um, it is the highest honor that could be uh, bestowed upon any cast member of the Disney Company. Can you tell us about what that was like when you learned about being a Disney legend and then, and then going out for your legend ceremony? Oh, very excited. I, I, was, I was overwhelmed. I got, I got the message, and a beautiful letter from uh, Roy Disney, I think it was. And uh, my whole family from all parts of the United States came along with me and uh, they were there to see me get the award. And believe it or not, one of the things, there was maybe four or five, maybe six awarded, and then three of them were already deceased. And who has to come up first? And then we had different characters bring them up to the podium. And they used Mickey Mouse, and I was the first one to speak. And I'll tell you, I was nervous, really <laughs> nervous. It was uh, Roy Disney and... Uh, Michael Eisner, I guess, at that time. And I got the award. It was a great thing. Oh, my God. I'm very happy about that. Yeah, you received your award the same year that Mary Costa and Tim Allen did. And we have a, a photo of you over at oh, Legends yes. Plaza. Um, I again. I mentioned that. But there were some pretty big people. Oh, you know, uh, another very important person. He was the president of Walt Disney 
world. Now that's amazing because, but he was a, a Dick Nunes. He was made a licensee too. I mean, a legend. Legend. Excuse me, I get those two words mixed up. <laughs> yeah. And so, so tell me, you know, we um, yesterday we spent some time uh, over at the Disney Design Group here at Walt Disney World, where they create a lot of the hard and soft line goods for theme parks around the world. And tell me what it's like now coming here and seeing this new generation of artists and new generation of, of different types of merchandise and new technology that's being used to help create it. Oh, it's so new that I, I, I can't even understand some of it. But one thing I did find out, that they all, they're all specialists. In other words, to come up with uh, ideas for, let's say, Disney and Christmas, that's one group. Another group might, might work on Mother's Day, and we never had anything like that. I mean, we, we, we'd had to do all these different uh, celebrity days. And that amazed me. And, uh, and, and some of the people that, that got hired, they were unbelievably artists, great artists. In fact, I had dinner with one of the best ones last night. And you know who he is. Uh, it, was, it was interesting. And uh, I've seen so much artwork yesterday. I, I've seen more artwork and beautiful stuff than I have in my whole life, seeing the, well, these studios here. And you see things that are even, you know, the, the legacy of Al Konetsny continues on because you see that Pezes are still being created. And like you said, the nightlights are still being created. And then obviously the, the scope and the breadth of merchandise has just expanded exponentially. True. It's very true. The thing goes on and on and on. And I guess, you know, I'm 97 years old, so I don't know how long I'm going to be around. My number hasn't been picked yet, <laughs> but, uh, but we'll see what happens and, but, I, you know, I, I, for an old guy, I'm doing all right. I still sketch. I do a lot of work for abused children and cancer people. And I've been doing that since I retired. Oh, as a matter of fact, when I did retire, Disney was doing a, a deal with uh, Ringley and Barnum and Bailey. And they grabbed me right away. And uh, it was the best year I ever had financially, working for them, getting re uh, retirement and uh, Social Security. That was my big year. <laughs> but they, they couldn't keep me busy enough, so I forgot about it after about two years and went back to my own stuff. And so, you know, what about for those uh, people who are listening or who are watching and are young artists like you who, you know, like my daughter, always has a pencil in her hand or even if is older, has dreams of working for the company or wanting to be an artist for Disney. What kind of advice would you have for them? Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because that's one of the favorite things I have, to talk to young artists who want to pursue a, a career. And the one thing that I want to leave with each one of them, and I try to do this, and that is that after you do your, you have your samples and you're trying to get your placement uh, and get interviewed by somebody, never forget to send them a message and thanks for the interview. I think that's very important. And I made sure that when I was interviewed by some uh, a top art, art director in Disney that I sent a letter of thanks. 
and I got to be really good friends with him many years later. And he said, yeah, he said, that really had something to do with us picking you. So remember that. It's very important. Well, I think that's great advice. And at 97 years young, I can tell that, like you said early, uh, Mickey Mouse still makes you smile. And I think you should know that uh, what you've done and the stories you've shared and, and the things that you've created years ago continue to live on and, and your legacy. So I want to thank you so much for sharing that with me and sharing that with my audience. And there's the school bus. There's my big, big one. <laughs> well, I think that's great. Al, thank you so much. Congratulations on uh, everything that you've done and your Legend Award. And thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much for, for the interview. I appreciate it. Time for the Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I ask you to challenge yourself to see how well you know Walt Disney World history. Pay attention to the details and what you see or hear. Maybe ask you to identify where in Walt Disney World you may have even heard a sound clip. I'll select one winner randomly from all the correct answers to win a Disney prize package. But before we get to this week's question, let's go back to last week, review the question and the answer, and select our winner. So last week we talked about 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea during our Walt Disney World Wayback Machine, and I stuck with that topic for our question as well. So I told you that actor Pete Renaday voiced Captain Nemo, but also could be heard in many other Walt Disney World attractions. I even pointed you back to my interview with Pete in show number 232. But my question was, what country bear did Pete Renaday voice? And once again, thank you to the hundreds of you that answered this one correctly, and it was, of course, Henry. And if you go back and listen to the interview, Pete talks about the concept for the Country Bear Jamboree and the Mineral King Ski Resort, working with people like Imagineer Exitensio and George Bruns. Great interview. Again, go back to episode number 232. But again, from all the correct answers, we did select one winner who received all six of my audio tours of Walt Disney World, a WDW Radio luggage tag, a button, and a signed photo of Richard Sherman from the cruise. And last week's winner was Tim Bowen. So, Tim, congratulations. Please send me your address. I'll get your prize package out to you right, right away. If you didn't win, that's okay, because here is your next opportunity to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So since Al Knetsny was talking a lot about Walt during the interview, I thought we would stay with Walt for the question this week. And one of the hidden treasures in Walt Disney World, I believe, is the Carrollwood Room over at Disney's Wilderness Lodge. It's a quaint, warm sitting room that displays a lot of extensive railroad memorabilia, such as photographs, rare plans, sketches, equipment, a part of Walt's Carrollwood Pacific model railroad train, and much more. But your question for this week is this. What was the Carrollwood Pacific Room at Disney's Wilderness Lodge originally known as? Give me the Carrollwood Pacific Room original name over at Disney's Wilderness Lodge. You can email your answer to contest at wdwradio.com. You have until 11.59 p.m. on Sunday, December 2nd, to get your answer in. And again, you'll be playing for all of the audio tours, a luggage tag, button, another Sherman Brothers photo, and a holiday vinylmation. So good luck and have fun.
that's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Big thanks again to my special guest, Disney legend Al Konetsny. I'll put photos of some of Al's products up on the show notes over at wdwradio.com. There I'll also link to a video that I took of my interview with Al. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash wdwradio to get that and other videos as soon as they are posted. While you're on the site, be sure and also check out our videos, daily blog posts, discussion forums, and shop where you can purchase my Walt Disney World trivia books or the audio guides to Walt Disney World. Also, while you're there, be sure and subscribe to our monthly free newsletter. There you'll get additional information, special offers, and deals. Plus, you can also have WDW Radio delivered right to your inbox every day for free. New blog posts, podcasts, videos, events, information, and more. Just visit WDWRadio.com, click on the blog link, and on the right-hand side of the page, you'll find a button that says Get Daily Updates Free to Your Inbox, and you can subscribe right there. Don't forget to also join us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WDW Radio Live. It's a live video broadcast and interactive chat where we talk about this week's Walt Disney World news and an opportunity for you to be part of the show and discussion. Again, that's 7.30 p.m. Eastern at WDWRadioLive.com. You also know I love hearing from you, so if you have a question you want answered on the show, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com or call the voicemail be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. We have lots of events coming up in 2013, including more of our meets of the month in Walt Disney World. Our next two meets are going to be this Friday, November 30th, over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. We're going to meet at 6.30 p.m. Eastern over at the Backlot Express at the lower level seating area outside. This way we can go inside if it's a little bit too cold. You can grab a bite to eat, maybe go see the Osborne lights after that. And then our next meet is going to be Saturday, December 22nd, sort of a WDW Radio holiday party. We're going to celebrate the season together with us over at the Magic Kingdom. That's at 1 o'clock on a Saturday. You can find those and all the other events we have planned and things coming soon over at the events page over at wdwradio.com. Anyone and everyone is invited. Feel free to bring the family. Hope to get a chance to meet you at one of the meets of the month or other events in the future, including our trips out to Las Vegas, Alani, San Francisco, the Disney Fantasy, and much more. Quick thanks to my partners and sponsors, Mouse Fan Travel. Whether you're going to any of those places or Disneyland or Walt Disney World or a Disney Cruise Line, Mouse Fan Travel gives you the best possible prices, all available discounts, an incredible level of personal service, all at no additional cost to you. You can visit them over at mousefantravel.com. When you're coming down to the parks, if you're bringing the whole tribe, right, you're bringing the extended family, grandma, grandpa, or some friends and family, maybe you're looking for a little bit more room, allstarvacationhomes.com has up to seven bedroom homes with multiple master bedrooms and game rooms, lots of space for the whole family. You can visit them over at allstarvacationhomes.com. And if you want to get some Disney magic delivered right to you at home or on your iPad, Celebrations Magazine celebrates the magic of Walt Disney World. You can visit them over at celebrationspress.com. Finally, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links to the show or comment and like the show over on Facebook. And please come by, rate and review the show and apps over on iTunes. There's an easy link right on wdwradio.com. And finally, most importantly, I want you guys to do something that you love each and every day. So get past your fears, dream big, start small, 
and always keep moving forward. Most importantly, thank you so very much for listening this and every week. I hope you have a great week this week. So until next time, see ya. Hi, Lou. It's Lindy King. And I wanted to say how um, great the cruise was this year. Um, I think that you and the MEI Mountain Travel Group, um, Becky's team, did an awesome job this year. I think the special guest you had, which was Richard Sherman, that was the highlight of the cruise. I think that was a perfect choice to get the, him to be our special guest. The performances that he, the songs that he sang, um, brought back a lot of memories from all the different movies I have seen throughout, you know, my childhood. I was in the audience and I was singing along to all the different songs that I, that I knew. I remembered all the different parts that all the songs were in the movies. I thought that um, Walt's story, I mean, um, Richard's stories were really good. Uh, I thought they were great about how he talked about, you know, his brother Bob still being here and Walt still being here, how him and Bob, you know, got the job with um, Walt and how they, how Walt wanted him to do certain songs and how they just performed them for him. Um, I think, you know, meeting all the people on the cruise and seeing people that uh, I met last year um, was was a high, also another highlight. Um, also, meeting new people for the first time and making new friendships with them was was awesome. Again, I want to thank um, you and Becky's team for an awesome job that uh, you guys did with the cruise. I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully going next year, but I'm looking forward to next year's next year's cruise and seeing what new things that you guys had. Um, so I just want to say thank you and bye. You've got a Yeah!